What up, world? It's your past first point guard and Blazer beat writer Mike Richmond. You're listening to another episode of Locked on Blazers, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, available wherever you get podcasts. Y'all, the NBA draft is here, and the Locked on Podcast Network is going to have it covered for you on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitch at Locked on Live. It will be the only place you can find Chad Ford giving his draft analysis on draft night. So join Chad, Brad Rowland of Locked On Hawks, and David Locke for the most in-depth coverage of the NBA draft featuring analysis from Jeremy Wu of Sports Illustrated. Follow Locked On Live on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Twitch and get alerts as soon as they go live. It's not just NBA Draft Week. Well, it is NBA Draft Week, which means... This is extra special week. This is our second edition of Mailbag Monday. I got a whole bunch of questions this week and I couldn't fit them into one show. So I did the next best thing. I split them into two shows. This is the second one posting in your feed. So if you listen to this episode and your question wasn't in it, chances are it's in the other one. Honestly, the solution here is to listen to all of the Lockdown Blazers podcasts. Do not miss an episode. You won't miss your question. But it's another Mailbag Monday. We do this each week. We don't usually do two, but we always do one, answering listeners' submitted questions all episode long. You want to get involved, tweet at me, at Mike G. Rich. You can send me a tweet whenever you're thinking of it, or wait for Monday mornings around 9 a.m. Pacific time when I send out a tweet soliciting questions. You respond to the tweet, I'll get you in the show. If you're not a Twitter user or just someone who doesn't tweet, you can email me, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com is the address. One more time for you, lockedonblazerspod at gmail.com. Like I said, we do this every week, so this is your first one. Welcome. If you're a longtime listener, welcome back. Let's get into it. This first question comes from Chin Dog at Chin underscore Dog with two G's on Twitter who asks, if the reports that Portland is interested in Paul Millsap are true, how much would he actually help and would he want to come here? So I think Paul Millsap is good. He's also 36 years old. I, here's a, I have a couple feelings about this. I kind of think Paul Millsap is better than Carmelo Anthony because he does more stuff. But if the Blazers choose Millsap over Melo, I can see I wouldn't be surprised if fans are upset. Oh, and before I get too far ahead of myself, the source of the report is Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, who says the Blazers have expressed interest in Paul Millsap. Um, this was, if you've been listening to the show, I have mentioned Millsap as like a sort of a cheap, uh, ch- cheap option, a relatively cheap option that could help the Blazers. I think he would be, I mean, they, the Blazers don't really have a power forward in the roster. I think as a backup, um, a guy comes off the bench or if he starts, but plays limited minutes because, um, you know, to allow Zach Collins to come off the bench or whatever it is. I kind of think Millsap is a, is a good option. He can pass, he can shoot a little bit. Um, he's a competitive defender, but man, is he not a very good one at this stage in his career? Um, he's when the Blazers were interested in Paul Millsap in like 2013, it was awesome in 2020. I'm not sure. Um, would he want to come here? I think, um, he wants to be on a relatively competitive team and make competitive money. And if the Blazers are giving him about the same money he would make elsewhere and they're, uh, you know, going to be a playoff type team, I, I have no reason to think Paul Millsap would turn them down. But to be clear, I don't think you're getting both Millsap and Mello. I think you're making a choice. For me, I might lean Millsap, but you are, of course, entitled and encouraged to form your own opinion. This next question comes from Mike Miller at mike 2 City, who asks... Do you think if Houston is going to blow it up that we can get Robert Covington for cheap? His salary is the same as Ariza. Dalton Schuster at Dalton Schuster 2 on Twitter asks, 
Revisiting a question I had a while ago, definitely looks like Houston is blowing it up, assuming they do. Ariza Collins on a first for Rocco and Tucker? That's Robert Covington mentioned in the previous question. And Joseph Liefeld asks, what does a trade package for Rocco look like? Actually, Joseph Liefeld asks, what does a trade package for Rocco or Ben Simmons look like? But I'm ignoring the Ben Simmons part because the Blazers do not have that trade package. Well, I mean, they do, but it looks like Damian Lillard and you don't want to do that. So yeah, a lot of people, Mike Miller, Dalton Schuster, Joseph Liefeld, asking about Robert Covington with some some specifics offers. Uh, Dalton offers the Trevor Reza, Zach Collins on a first round pick for Robert Covington and PJ Tucker. Uh, well... Here's the thing that happened. While I was recording this, the Blazers traded for Robert Covington. For real, I had already given like a four-minute response basically saying that a lot of teams are going to be trading for Robert Covington and the Blazers might have to up the price. And then they upped the price to beyond even what uh, was mentioned here. The deal, according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN. So the Blazers are finalizing a trade to send Trevor Ariza a 2020 first-round pick and a 2021 protected first-round pick. That's two firsts and Trevor Ariza for Robert Covington. Folks, I think this is a good trade. I like it. First of all, Robert Covington is exactly what the Blazers need. He's good. He's good. Like, he can he guards multiple spots. He's not an elite shooter or, or, or he's like a limited three of the 3 and D guy, but he's a really, really versatile defender. He's exactly what the Blazers need. Neil Olshay just traded for the exact thing I've been screaming about. A dude who can start at the three. You could start him at the four. He can guard twos a little bit. He can guard ones a little bit. He's, he's much better on forwards and the Blazers just, they've been in desperate need of a wing defender and they went and got one and all of you who asked three of you all said you know the Rockets are blowing it up they're blowing it up the Blazers should sneak in there and they did and they got Robert Covington who I am a I am I have been a huge fan of Covington even before he was like an obvious need for the Blazers I guess he's sort of always been an obvious need for the Blazers but dude can really really play I think the question sort of about his overall fit is kind of what level he shoots at. Uh, In Philly, when he kind of had his breakout year in 2018, he was shooting like 38% from three, 37.8% for the year from three. And when he got traded to Minnesota that year, he shot 37% from three. But then in his next season in Minnesota and that partial season in Houston, he was a below average three-point shooter, 34% from from deep in Minnesota and under 32% from three with, with the Rockets, where he played a ton of center, a small ball center in those in their funky fun lineups. Um, he's under contract through 2022. So the Blazers get him for two full seasons on a really, a really reasonable deal. Like it's under 13 million bucks, right at 13 million bucks next year. So he's I'm a big fan of this move. I think this is exactly what they need. It's the and it's the signal I think that Neil Olshay he didn't owe, he doesn't really owe the fan base anything, but because like that's not how the job works. He's he's not really beholden to us, but he he sent the signal he sent the signal to Damian Lillard and he sent the signal to the the loyal listeners of Lockdown Blazers who are tweeting me trade for Robert Covington you dummies and they did it. Now that 2021 pick we'll see what it what the protections are on it. Like I said, it's literally happening in real time, so we don't have the details yet. This trade isn't going to go through till after the draft, technically, but the Blazers did it. They swung the deal for Robert Covington. I'd say this is a win, um, and congratulations to all of you who pegged this as a good idea. Rocco, welcome to Portland. Mike, Dalton, Joseph, congratulations on being geniuses.
Let's talk a little bit about Built Bar. If you're a regular listener, you've heard me tell you about Built Bar before, and ain't nothing changed. This is still the best tasting protein bar ever. Still comes in 18 amazing flavors. They're all covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. They've got that candy bar-like texture. If you have dabbled in the world of protein bars in the past, you know some of them are dry and chalky and gross. That's not what Bill Bar is. Bill Bar just tastes great. That's their trick, is they made something that tastes really good. But if that doesn't sell you, if, if yummy doesn't sell you, what if I told you it's healthy too? It's a wonderful option for the health conscious among us because it's low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber. Take, for instance, Cherry Barcia, one of their six new flavors. It's got 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and just 4 net carbs. Look, you want to get your hands on these bars. I know you do. So go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON. You'll get 20% off your next order. That's promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. All right. Shout out to my man Drake Slaps for the music. Follow him on Instagram at WowSlaps or visit his website, DreSlaps.com. That's Portland's own Dre Slaps. Appreciate you, Dre. All right, let's keep it rolling with Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Dame Jr.'s burner account. That's at Rose City Blazer on Twitter who asks, this is a long-winded question. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to paraphrase it for y'all. Dame Jr.'s burner wants to know the Blazers should sign Chris Dunn. So the it came out today that the Chicago Bulls are not going to extend a qualifying offer to Chris Dunn, making him an unrestricted free agent. That's surprising to me. I think Chris Dunn is good. So Dame Jr.'s burner basically says that their argument is basically is such that Chris Dunn is an elite defensive guard, and that's what the Blazers need. Um, so... It could help because the Blazers' current backcourt is just so limited defensively that adding someone into the rotation who's an elite defender at that spot could help. So I think this is true, and and Chris Dunn does fit my preference for, you know, a veteran to fill that that guard spot. There's been a lot of talk from, you know, both listeners to this podcast and and the sort of draft prognosticators at large saying the Blazers should get a young guard. I don't see that. If you want a young guard, just play Anthony Simons. So... But but Chris Dunn would sort of fit the he would fit a lot of needs like he would he's a defensive guard which they don't have and I think he's like an elite defender like a, I think he's one of the best point guard defensive point guards in the NBA. Also, he's young, but he wouldn't need seasoning like he he doesn't need developmental time like if he's on the roster he can play because he's played in the league for a while. But I my only reservation with Chris Dunn is that I think he could help other teams more. I think there's bigger minutes for him somewhere else, and I think the Blazers already have their sort of like good defensive guard type in uh in Gary Trent Jr even though I think he's going to play a lot of 3 this year. So I'm not I'm not totally against Chris Dunn like for the right price or even just if he's if he's willing and it's not and you don't pay him, you know, 8 million dollars a year. Yeah, I think you go for it because I I think he's I think he's pretty solid. So yeah, all that is to say I'm I'm pro Chris Dunn. I think he's good. Um I don't maybe view him as a need for the Blazers, but I I'm, I don't know. I'm a fan of his game. Whatever. Put good players on the team. They got Robert Covington. Now you can figure out the rest of your needs. Next question comes from Aaron from Gmail who asks, CJ and Trevor Reza for Blake Griffin and Derek Rose. This gives Detroit a starting PG to build around with McCollum. 
primary ball handler scorer upside. He's not a point guard, dude. I'm not, I'm just, I'm not in on that. The Blazers get an elite sixth man plus a playmaking three-point threat at power forward who fits next to Nurk. So I'm not even sure that that Blake Griffin is a three-point threat, even if he shoots threes. He used to be really, really, really good. And I'm, I'm not in favor of this trade. I'm not a Derrick Rose guy. Get him fully the hell out of here. Uh, Blake Griffin is just, he's really risky. You know, CJ McCollum has limitations, but he's going to play 75 games every year. Well, less than that this year, though he plays 72. So 68 games this year. Um, it's, it would be a, it, it could be a worthwhile risk, but it's a, it's a huge big money contract for maybe at best a lateral move. I, I don't see this as a significant enough upgrade. The Blazers don't need like a scoring guard. They don't need Derrick Rose. They need more wings. Get me, get me defensive wings and bigs. Like they don't, this is, Blake Griffin's good, but I'd, I'm, I'm not in on this trade. All right. The next question comes from Hotai Kim at Hotai underscore Kim 97 on Twitter who asks, Robin Lopez back to the Blazers? Yeah, so Robin Lopez is reportedly opting out of his player option and will enter restricted free agency. I I don't know what Robin Lopez commands on the open market. Uh, he's basically a minimum guy this year for Milwaukee and didn't really play very much. Didn't play at all in the bubble, like in the, in the playoffs. Basically was t- completely out of the rotation. So... Um, perhaps he's just looking for real playing time and maybe a backup job in Portland is not exactly what he wants, but I don't think Robin Lopez is a starting center in the league anymore. Uh, I think that, that ship done sailed. So yeah, I, I think depending on the price Rolo as a backup, uh, he's, he's solid. He, he weirdly shoots three pointers now. Um, I'm not sure he would do that in Stotts' system just because the way stuff works, but, um, yeah, I, Rolo's pretty good. He's he's slow and he's he's got some offensive limitations, but he does the dirty work. He's re, he's really understands what being a role player is. Uh, he's familiar with the system. He's not exactly one of those guys that like names comes up like oh these these uh, f- former teammates that I miss when you talk to Dame so much. You know Ed Davis, Mace Blumley. I don't know if he goes all the way back to Rolo. I'm not saying there's animosity. I just think he's more of a more fan favorite than team favorite, if you if you feel me. Next question comes from Ryan at Arconnell on Twitter, who asks, looks like Melo wants to stay. Can he play a bench role happily, in your opinion, if needed? Yeah, I think the big word here is happily. Um, I'm in favor of bringing Carmelo Anthony back, but it in like especially now with the addition of Robert Covington, when I hit record in this podcast, I had a different answer for this question, but things change quickly in this world. So just, I think for the optics of, you know, star player re-signs with the Blazers after rekindling his career here is sort of good for the team. I don't know if you, if everyone agrees with that, but I think there's something to that. Um, Depending on the price, I think Melo is a valuable bench piece. The key is that I don't think he's an NBA starter at this point. And particularly when you just have better defensive players, when you have an option to start a Covington and Hood duo, that seems better, like a better pairing, assuming that Rodney Hood's close to back of what he was before he left, or at least, you know, 90% of it, 85% of it. I think he's better than Carmelo Anthony. Um, he's He provides a lot of the same skills, except that he's uh, not 36 with 17 years under his belt. So, yeah, I'm, I'm in favor of, of Melo as a backup. I just don't know if he is wired in a way to accept that role. And if he's not, you are potentially putting yourself into a tough situation if you had lied about what his role would be to bring him back. If you if you're clear about him 
being a bench player and he buys in, cool. I, I'm I'm all for it. Um, I think the Blazers have addressed a big need with with Covington and adding a little bit of firepower and the reliability that like Melo provided and crunch time in the bubble is um is valuable. I'm I'm in favor of it. All right, let's go to the third segment. Close out the show with more of your questions on this Mailbag Monday. Still a pass for his point guard. Still Mike Richmond. He's still listening to Locked on Blazers. Still rolling through Mailbag Monday. This next question comes from Ito at Ito6666 on Twitter, who asks, now that the Paul... Chris Paul, Kelly Oubre, Ricky Rubio deal is finalized. Can we get an Oubre package that includes a reason, the 16th pick and the 46th pick? Chin Dog at Chin underscore Dog asks, how much would it take to get Kelly Oubre? And do you think Olshay would be willing to do it? So let me let me peel back the curtain on this podcast. I recorded six minutes on this trade. I did a whole segment on this trade. I'm a big Kelly Oubre guy. I gave Ricky Rubio some love. I think he's a great player too. I kind of explained the direction that OKC was in, the trade conversations for them wanting a 2021 second round pick and whether the Blazers would be willing to include that in order to make it happen for a guy like Ubre who's on an expiring deal and yada, yada, yada. Then the Blazers trade Robert Covington. I don't have six minutes on this anymore. I mean, I have six minutes on my regret, maybe. Six minutes of my uh, Monday evening that I can't spend watching Great British Bake Off. Yeah, I got Bake Off takes. Maybe I'll maybe I'll have Locked On Bake Off, a little spinoff podcast. So this was a whole segment here, y'all. And this is what happens when Adrian Wojnarowski spoils your segment. Here's what I'll say. I like the Kelly Oubre deal. Uh, I thought I I like the idea of a Kelly Oubre deal. I like the idea of Ariza and 16 and a 40 and the 46 pick, you know, Ariza and both draft picks in this class for Oubre. Um I one of the questions was, do you think Olshay would go for it? And I said that, yeah, I don't, it's not that he's trade averse. He just hasn't, he's, you know, he traded for Hassan Whiteside, made a relatively big deal last year. He's mostly made his, his moves like tinkering in season once he sees the roster, but he's not trade averse. He just doesn't have a lot of firepower. So my sort of argument for this was Ubre is going to be coveted, uh, relatively coveted and, and do, does OKC, you know, hold out for a better offer than 16 and 46? Do they hold out for that 2021 or a future pick a little, you know, down the road so they can just continue to stockpile the chest? They have something like 17 picks over the next 10 drafts or something, 17 firsts over the next 10 drafts or something that they can't possibly use. So yeah, I was a fan of this. I'm a fan of this Ubre idea. It just, um, the Blazers just trade and made a trade that's maybe better. I don't know if, Uber, if, if, Covington is better than than Ubre. He's probably a better defender of fours than than uh, Ubre is, but I think Ubre has maybe enough offense to make him a better overall player. It's close. Um, Covington probably fits the Blazers' needs more than Ubre does because of his uh, positional versatility on defense. And if he and if he blossoms into three point sh- into a above average three point shooter again, if he if you kind of can get that back, then uh, then I like this deal more than Ubre. But if you are a Ubre person. Yeah, I'm on your team. I'm I'm Team Kelly. I think he's a baller. Okay, next question comes from Skozers from Gmail. Skozers asks, if these talks of DeMar DeRozan to the Lakers for 
Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green are true. What are your thoughts on either entering as a third team or acquiring Kuzma from the Spurs? If they're going young, I would give up either Simons or Collins for him. Versatile four that fits exactly what you need. Shooting, some playmaking, size, and athleticism. A change of scenery could be huge for him, especially if Melo can have him under his wing for a huge season. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts on this. Let's just ignore the fact that Danny Green was already traded to OKC for Dennis Schroeder and just talk about Kyle Kuzma. Um, I He's a theoretical shooter, not a good one. He has no playmaking ability. He is very large and athletic, and a change of scenery could help him a little bit. Uh, I think if you choose Kuzma, even before the Covington deal, like just in a, in a vacuum, if the Blazers traded for Kuzma, I think Melo was gone because that's his starting power forward spot, and there isn't even a debate at that point whether he could um, come back. And it's, you know, I think having the possibility of, you know, Zach's injured and blah, 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 giving him some minutes to start and then kind of like figuring out what his role is from there might be more enticing to Melo than just like, cool, you're the backup four. Um, I, I'm not a Kuzma guy. I think he's bad. Like, I, I don't think he's good. I uh, I think Kyle Kuzma is just Jeff Green with better branding. Hard pass on Kuz. Sorry to, sorry, Sko Blazers. I know you're, we're on Kuzmania, but I'm out. Next question comes from Tim from Gmail who asks, what are the chances you get Dame on an episode of Lockdown Blazers? I think they're pretty good. Um, it's harder now because everything is digital, so it's hard to just like chit-chat with a guy and pitch him on what you want. So we'll see. But I'll, I'll, I will effort that for y'all. I think um, he's not a big podcast guy. He's not a guest on a bunch of other podcasts. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll, do, I'll work on Dame. I think there's... Uh, you know, a relatively good chance that he would give me 10, 15 minutes. He's, he is incredibly accommodating and we've known each other a long time. In general though, I do think sort of just like the zoom access, um, I'm like buzz marketing, uh, the video conferencing that the NBA uses, but like the, the all the every interview is digital now. So it's just, it's harder to have the sort of personal touch to shoot the shit with someone and say, Hey, you want to do me a favor? Um, you just don't have those sort of like little one-on-ones where you can get in on there. And quite frankly, sending a dude a text message and asking them to do an interview for you is a way for them to ignore you. Uh, it's just an easier thing to get done face-to-face. But yeah, I'll, I'll do my best. I'll, I'll, try to, I'll try to effort that for you, Tim. Next question comes from Dr. J. It says, over the years covering the Blazers, what has been your biggest miss in terms of predictions for players who would have a big impact on the team. Conversely, what has been your biggest hit, which went against conventional wisdom? Ooh, I don't know if I've gone against convention- conventional wisdom. I was a big believer that Al Farouk Aminu was good. Um, so maybe that's my maybe that's my biggest hit. Like, I remember he signed that four-year $30 million contract and a colleague of mine at the Oregonia at the time sent me a message like, yo, this is a crazy overpay. What the fuck are they doing? And I was like, I think it's fine. He's good. <laughs> like, he's pretty good. And... Aminu had real limitations, but he was like just sort of like a baseline of competency that really helped them for, um, you know, every single time that he was on the court for four years. He was, I was a big believer in Alfred Aminu being good. So maybe that's my one that's gone against the grain. The one that I've been like most wrong about, um, I kind of thought Caleb Swanigan was going to be a good NBA player or at least a productive NBA player before my time being around the team formally, but like sort of first when I got into the media world. Uh, I thought Elliot Williams, who the Blazers drafted in 2010, he was like a late first round pick in 2010. Uh, and he was going to miss his first year and then, and then with a knee injury and then he was going to come back. And I was, I was really sold on him being a really good NBA player. Um, he had gone to Duke and then Memphis and I was, I was 
I was sold on him. But I think the point of this is that um, I think what I've learned from doing this is it's it's why my sort of approach to talking about the draft has been just to out and out say, I don't know. I've never seen this guy play. I don't know. Other people are smarter than me. And when I had seen a guy play like Nazir Little, I give you all the information I possibly have because like I I don't watch college basketball really. And if I do watch a guy here and there and I've seen him play twice, that's probably not enough data to really like have a have an opinion that I can stand behind with any real confidence. So I think um, what I've learned, like the maybe the biggest thing I've learned over over doing this for a long time is that I don't know and that it's totally comfortable. It's totally OK this time of year. Like you have to be comfortable with saying I, I'm not sure or I have a prejudice against this guy because he went to Duke like I, it. That's like specific to me. Right. But uh, it's I think it's OK when you're when you're talking about, you know, projecting potential draft picks or, or prospects that you, you just don't know. And it's okay to not know. I think that's, um, that should be a major takeaway that, that, uh, we all have from, from at this time of year that if you, you know, if you've only watched the YouTube videos like I have, and you've never seen a dude miss a shot, you probably should just say, I have no idea, but the people that I trust think like this. So while I have had some hits and some misses that have maybe, maybe gone against the grain for the most part, I think the things I've learned in my six or so seasons around the team starting year seven around the team is that um there are people there are real experts that do this and i'm not one of them i'm good at synthesizing information i'm a good writer i'm a good uh i can go do an interview and kind of pull out things i can i can bring y'all a scene i can take you back there um in this audio world from a scene i saw inside the arena but what i'm not going to do is see 18 minutes of a dude playing the NCAA tournament and tell you whether I think he's a pro or not. That's just not my space. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Like I said, we're doing double mailbag this this week. So if you asked another question and it's not in this podcast, it's not in this episode, check your feed. It's probably in the last one. I got everybody in there. That's why I split them up into two in you know, half hour segments. So you didn't have an hour of uh, an hour of mailbag. And then in the middle of this bad boy, Robert Covington got traded. We got real news because I had a, a longer record session. What a what a gift for all of us. Tell your friends about this podcast. They can get it wherever they already listen to podcasts. Just search Lockdown Blazers. It'll be there waiting for you. And if you want to get involved in Mailbag Monday, I did these plugs in reverse, but I'm still going to get to them. Tweet at me at Mike G. Rich or email the show, LockdownBlazers at gmail.com. We do this every week. It's not always two, but Mailbag Monday rolls on regardless. Appreciate you listening. Talk to you soon.